0: Welcome to the Ethical Pages podcast. My name is Adam Costello I run Inland Sea. We are an ethically run business, as you might expect. We make t-shirts out of recycled polyester, um, recycled plastic bottles, otherwise known as PET, um, as well as organic cotton. So yes, I started Ethical Pages as a bit of an idea, as a directory on our Inland Sea website, um, just to basically list. As many ethically run businesses, charities, organisations, and shops um, as I possibly could, um, and it's kind of developed into a, a podcast because I think it's better to actually get these businesses into a discussion for half an hour or so, um, chat about their origin story, the reasons why they set up, what they do, their just yeah, obviously the history um how hard it's been for them to create a business and um, the future as well because obviously um we're in crazy crazy times um obviously in the middle of COVID, in the in the middle of a global pandemic um which i think has definitely served ethically run businesses and micro businesses and uh, freelance entrepreneurs uh, probably pretty well apart from maybe the the financial difficulties but i think that's been the case for um, pretty much everyone during this time Um but we can all obviously use that to our advantage where possible um Because it's allowed us to obviously slow down and reevaluate like what is really important to us and um, And just change our habits like um, obviously everyone's now really warming up so, uh, Pardon the pun to uh, the climate crisis. It's very much well, almost uh, front page news these days. Um, And everyone just wants a different way of life. It's totally uh, on the cusp of something much bigger here. Um, And that's what I'm trying to identify. And I'm trying to connect up with as many ethical uh, businesses as I possibly can Um, and just have a discussion and just inspire and help other um, people who want to do this type of thing. So, yeah, the first podcast that I've recorded is with a surfer named James Otter. Um, You may be really aware of what James does and what what he's done. Um, I think he's been his business has been around for maybe 10 years. I'm not sure. Something like that. Um, So he makes surfboards out of uh, cedar, Um, I think cedar and balsa wood. Um, You'll listen and hear in the podcast exactly the material that he uses. Um, So it's kind of like you couldn't get a more ethically run business, to be honest, it's um, everything about it is ethical and the way that he sources the wood um, at the end of the day the the surfboard is solid wood I think the only uh, material that he does use are the resins which might just be a little bit unethical but um, no one's perfect there's not I don't think there's any no such thing as a perfectly ethically run business is if there is please suggest it or if you think you are get in contact and I'd love to chat with you um, so yeah, so the, the the chat with James is is awesome. Um, he's a really cool guy. He also runs uh, workshops. Um, I think it's like a five day workshop where you where you go and stay down in Cornwall and go into the workshop every day and you basically uh, learn how to make a wooden surfboard and obviously end up making one and go away with uh, a wooden surfboard. I would really love to do that, wouldn't you? Um, so yeah just learn about the whole process um, I think James as well over uh, doing that that uh, giving workshops and teaching people how to make surfboards I think his business has evolved into something that he never really thought it would do he's also written a book uh, which i will hear about um, which I ordered the, the night before um, we did the podcast um I've read quite a bit of it um, it's one of those books that you can just pick up and read little bits off it's really inspiring about basically about using your hands and returning to um, yeah just using your hands for for creating things returning to making things with your hands with which is probably super prominent uh, in today's world when we're just literally on devices and on screens and just using our fingertips to type or scroll. Um, Yeah, I don't don't think you could underestimate the power of going into a workshop like James's uh, and coming out and learning how to make a wooden surfboard. Um, So yeah, uh, and before we go and chat with James, uh, I just want to tell you where I am. Uh, I'm in my camper van um, on the edge of the Mullican Tyre in Scotland. Um, I've managed to escape um, lockdown and just come to try and go surfing. The waves have been pretty huge today. You can probably hear them if you listen closely. Beastie. Um, So yeah, I'm uh, recording the podcast in my van. intro obviously i've not got james with me right here right now that'd be pretty cool if I was because i could get to surf one of his boards uh, but he's not but anyway you can listen to the podcast right now i ordered your book last night because i saw that you've uh, brought a book out which uh, looks pretty cool uh do you want to tell us a little bit about it
1: yeah, so um, I mean it came out of being involved with the Do Lectures um, a number of years ago and they've got a, a publishing house called the Do Book Company um, and they produce these little kind of, in a way I guess they're kind of self-help books or they're just kind of like inspiring people to do things and they didn't have one under the title of Do Make and I felt like that would be a, a really good thing for me to kind of chime in on um, and put put some thoughts down on paper really in terms of what it's been like for me to to make things for the as a business for the last 10 years but ever since I can remember as a, as a person um so yeah it's kind of a journey through making um where i find inspiration how other people might find inspiration and just trying to get people get people making and using their hands reconnecting to their hands so yeah yeah, man.
0: yeah so uh, cuz i saw you were um what's the festival called that you did a talk at uh, the good life um, good life yeah 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 so uh, I, I saw you at Good Life because um, my friends, you know uh, the with with uh, love book uh, Chris and uh, Rob. I know them, and I know Mark Bristol, um, who will have done your video in. Yeah, yeah. And oh, cool. <laughs> sorry, Were so you with them? Were you with them that evening? Nah, I bumped into. Oh, right. sorry. Yeah, I was with them um, at the Good Life festival. Yeah. Um, uh, in and out, but I actually had a stall, so I was selling uh, some of my clothing and stuff at Good Life, and obviously came to see your talk. So I know loads about like because loads of people won't realise that uh, what you really do sort of beneath the scenes is like, um, and what you promote is like a very sort of therapeutic process through the art of making the boards, which I think has evolved through the time of you kind of doing it. Do you want to, yeah, I'd love to sort of talk about like how that sort of came about and really like the ideas of the workshop, because the workshop isn't obviously just making a board it's loads more to it isn't there and I presume the books are out the book is uh, follows that sort of idea as well.
1: Indeed yeah so that's just it like so I've run the I ran our first workshop so we I take people through the process of making a, a wooden board for themselves and the first one I ran would have been 2000 I think 2011 <clears throat> Um, and to start with it was a case of somebody approached me a chap called Steve and just was really interested in the in the wooden boards I was making at that time and but then kind of confessed that he loved making things as well um and would really like to have a go at making a wooden board and wondered if I'd be happy to teach him what I knew um and it was pretty daunting to start with because I was a bit nervous about just giving away everything that I'd spent the last two or three years figuring out and, and trying to get my head around um but also kind of thought nothing ventured nothing gained and and thought well if we roll the dice what you know what happens what comes out of this and actually taking someone through that experience was for me on a selfish level like I got to experience what it was make to make that first one again so I got that kind of excitement the giddiness of trying to you know trying to imagine what the board was going to be like and then um and then to be able to share that with someone was just amazing so that led on to the workshops and then as they've evolved over time um obviously some people will will book and they'll come and make a surfboard and that's that's all they've they've come for and that, that's all they do but what we've noticed is that the reality is not many people actually stop for for five days from their busy daily lives and not many people stop and make something like literally, like so so much I think it's so many jobs that are out there um the outcome isn't like a tangible physical thing so actually to step back after 5 days and realize that you've made something can just be quite empowering and just kind of um you know kind of self-affirming in terms of what your capability is and what your what your what you can do with 5 days of your time and with your own hands. Um and so I think that tends to or often from speaking to people afterwards it can have a, a bigger impact than you know they walk away with more than just a surfboard basically they 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 do they have yeah just a an experience that goes beyond just just a surfboard, um, which is amazing. To then think they also have a surfboard that they walk away with um yeah. that they then go on and make more memories with is just quite amazing. Um yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah amazing mate. Yeah, so it's like um I think I probably first came across you through the Surfers Path like years ago, probably when you start maybe you started advertising in Surface Path, I don't know. Yeah, I think um, we had an article
1: in there in I think it was yeah. January twenty twelve
0: yeah was it yeah yeah so was that really was the sort of 2010s when you first set up
1: yeah so I I mean I I made my first couple of boards through 2008-2009 Um, finished university in 2009 and kind of moved to a friend's farm and carried on making them yeah. started running it as a business officially at the end of 2010 um, simply because my mum and dad are bookkeepers and accountants and they were like look if you're going to start selling stuff we need to set you up as a business so liabilities with the business and not you basically because they were like you're selling people surfboards this is yeah Uh, this is dangerous so anyway yeah that so they were quite keen to set set up a business early um but it probably took about six months I think before I had a first my first sale or anything um yeah so yeah the business then started properly through 2011 and then kicked off kind of 2012 I rented a proper workshop and stuff so
0: week so yeah talk, talk to us about those early days i guess like as i think like loads of people who um are going to be listening to this podcast are kind of setting out trying to create an ethical business um i kind of want to try and give as much advice and and sort of like encouragement as well like because there's probably so many businesses now with that ethical um thinking behind it uh with you it's kind of like there's loads of reasons why it's ethical. It's kind of naturally ethical, isn't it, um, even before you, you started? Uh, and obviously, you've kind of grown over the last 10 years. You've got loads of different products, um, which all feeds into like the ethical vibe, which is totally amazing. Um, yeah, maybe just, just talk to us about like how hard it is at the very beginning to kind of set up and what goes on in the beginning, and can you remember?
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think um, like it's one of those, I think, because the product – that I started off with obviously was very much something I was making and the the blessing and the curse of that is that every single decision over where materials come from and how you how you manipulate them and change them is a decision you have to make so I guess yeah that's where for me I came at it with a sustainability head on The, the the driver for me was about making a product that that would outperform and outlast um the 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 offerings that were currently on the market so you know I was fed up with my phone boards falling apart so okay can I make one out of wood and can I make it last longer and comparable in its performance characteristics that's kind of where I started um and then yeah like you say that decision making and and putting the ethical and the for me the sustainability front front and center of uh, of my decisions has has just remained um it is challenging when you start out because often you can feel like it's a it's always a a balance with any product um over the materials you're using like kind of longevity um and cost you know for a lot of people they they look at our boards and think they're prohibitively expensive but the reality is that there's an awful lot more time goes into them and they're designed to last longer than a typical board and and so it, it for me i guess it was a case of standing by that um and trusting that okay well i know that personally i wouldn't be happy to cut corners so if it ends up that the business doesn't work, well, then that's fine. The business doesn't work. At least I haven't kind of, you know, I haven't betrayed my own beliefs. Um, yeah, amazing. So, yeah. And, and then as the business has, has grown, it's just been, a, I guess, that question is, is it the front and centre of what we do? That sustainability question. Um, like like last year, my wife was working for us for a bit and she, um well, for a couple of years, she's been behind the scenes for, since the beginning, but she, she got rid of our bins um, was like right we're just going to figure out what we generate as waste and figure out a way to deal with it and not chuck it away and it was like whoa hang on a minute and it's like you know it, for us it was it's something that we could all quite quickly jump on board with because anyone everyone that works here, you know like we're involved in beach cleans litter is like one of our pet peeves so it was really interesting to actually break down our whole process of everything that goes on in the workshop and see where waste does accumulate and and figure out if there are ways we can deal yeah. with it and stuff so yeah, so it's 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 an ongoing conversation, and like you say, it's become more and more, um, more and more topical. Really, it's I think it's funny because sustainability as a as a as a as a thought has been around you know since the middle of the last century. So yeah, it's nothing yeah, it's new.
0: Like. Totally, it's crazy. Really, like I was, I was speaking to, uh, I just did a podcast with a, a business called the Happy Prawn, like sustainable uh, prawns. Um, like tiger prawns in in indonesia uh, and the lady that runs that she was born in indonesia into um prawn farming and like the the traditional way of prawn farming like say like 50 years ago and she said like it was all about sustainability then um and it's like over the years it just, it's just it's kind of like disappeared um and then in the last sort of five years i suppose if you if but maybe when you started out like sustainability and environmentally friendly things and the surface path I guess like was kind of like such a little tiny niche and even like a bit of a inverted commas like hippie sort of and if you taught, it wasn't mainstream in any way and then and then now like you know in the last 10 years and well in the last sort of two three years because it's such a massive issue it's kind of become the next cool thing which is obviously can only be a really good thing Um, and then I suppose with For you like it's like amazing like the foundations that you've put down over those 10 years and now really probably coming to fruition um all the way to like I suppose like the therapeutic mental uh side of like actually creating a board I bet you never thought that would come into it like uh, doing the workshops Yeah. yeah for sure
1: yeah that that was that's definitely been a yeah something I could never have really well I certainly hadn't seen it coming for sure um and actually like that's one thing that really makes me tick is that every every time we run a course it's different people that come in so yeah you know you you're developing new relationships but you're also offering this kind of really safe and and um an intimate space that people do open up so it's yeah so that therapeutic side definitely and like you say that that's pretty topical at the minute as well especially given the year we've all experienced yeah Um, jesus yeah you know the mental health implications are going to be pretty huge um So yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's it's amazing how it's how that has all developed and, and we seem to be positioned incredibly well for it um, by chance more than anything,
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's like kind of in a way like doing the right thing. It's like you've stuck the amazing thing that I picked up on from what you've just said and kind of what I've known about you for ages, I suppose, is like you just said, like if the business wasn't going to work, then it, it didn't work. You were always going to stick to like the reasons why you were doing it and obviously um, seeing what everyone most surfers totally know what is wrong with like the surfing industry and like the boards and the waste and everything. It's like, it is such a crazy, hypocritical um, industry a yeah. kind of be in, isn't it? Like yeah. it's mad. So you've kind of solved and paved the way for um, boards and board design, hopefully. Uh, yeah. Def- well, yeah. Was one of the big questions I want to ask is I've, I've never surfed one of your boards, Matt. Um brother-in-law actually he he made a board from grain you know the oh, company yeah grain yeah, yeah. yeah so he he did that i don't know five maybe could have been 10 years ago like a few number of years ago and i've had a go yeah. on that board yeah. and obviously he made it it was like a kit and everything it's absolutely beautiful yeah. um what one did so you make like, how, how big is it uh it's like a fish it was a fish it was i think it's pretty big not a long board or mini mount but like it's probably like this sh- must be the shortboard fish i guess yeah uh board like um I'm not sure uh, I've got pictures of it somewhere. Yeah. Um yeah so like the in terms of like I surf like a lot of a normal performance like longboard I surf like a Stuart's um shortboard and like little fish boards and stuff and I've always had like the conventional board. I've had boards made for me mm-hmm. um gone down all every single kind of track uh, epoxy boards and stuff uh, and like it's it is it's hard to find the right board. Um, in terms of like your boards, how how does it work in terms of like the performance? And if I was to come to you and say I want you to build me a board, I'm five foot ten, I weigh this much and stuff. How how does it how does that work? And yeah,
1: so I mean the way our boards are made with the their their skin on frames. So we've got internal frames that then we essentially wrap in wood. So each one of those frames is is designed um on, on CAD software and we've now got a range of I think about sixteen different boards um that we kind of we trust and know work quite well. So often if, if you're a customer coming, the conversation is okay, well do any of those suit you straight off the bat? Um judging by like you say kind of size and size and weight, but also surfing ability and what waves you're gonna be surfing most often um <clears throat> and how often you're surfing and then um and then if if nothing in that range kind of fits then there's then there's always the opportunity to to custom design something but with the with the wooden boards, they do they they feel different in the water they carry their they tend to be about twenty five percent heavier, so they carry their weight more they have more momentum to them, so like you say about your your brother in law making the fish i mean that those twin fins and the mid length single fins and the and long boards work really nicely out of wood because that momentum that you get from them just lends itself to that smooth style of surfing that those boards require um so that's 10 that's kind of where we sit other than last year we we did a project with with alan stokes on one of his kind of twin fins that he uses a lot and that's much more performance orientated um and obviously he's an incredibly talented surfer but seeing him put one through its paces really opened our eyes you know we i'd i'd come at sur come from kind of performance surfing i guess when i was younger um in where my surfing was at so I started making the boards thinking that's where I wanted to be and that's where the surf world was realistically um kind of 10 years ago still um and uh and yeah so I'd kind of always I knew we were moving in another direction we weren't really performance boards but then seeing Alan do what he did on 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 this little board I was just like oh hang on a minute they can be used in that way you know they can be put through pretty critical turns and, and 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 yeah and that was quite just quite eye-opening so suddenly for us the landscape of where we can position our boards is is kind of has opened up as well which is which is amazing um it's interesting though like you say about there being the right board for for people as well I I I can't help but think that or at least I can't help but feel that whenever we've made our boards we've kind of made them with the thought of like okay there's a conversation to have with the customer about what they're riding where they're do what they're doing now but it's also like okay, where where do you want your serving to be in 10 years? Or where do you think your serving will be in 10 years? And actually, let's let's make something that tries to cover all of that. Because yeah. um, I, I I can't help but feel the idea of having a quiver of boards and the idea of a board not being right for the conditions. Yes, there are definitely situations where particular boards do work better. Um, but I'm very much of the belief that there's, a, there's every chance you could have one or two boards that would cover 99% of the waves and the experiences you ever want or need in the ocean. Um, I do think that it's come from kind of a, yes, the throwaway culture that we've kind of grown up in over the last 30, 40 years or so. Um, And also the foam production of surfboards being that in a way they're, they're cheap, they're quick to make, but they also fall apart. That lends itself to trying to convince people they need more than one board. (laughs) So, so I do wonder how much of that idea of having different boards has, has come from, the manufacturers as much as it is our own thinking oh, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and of course you look at like the professional end of the end of the spectrum, and you know some of those guys you you know they talk about getting through three hundred boards a year or something and it's just like that's just Bonkers, that's just mad that's just mad you know that's not realistic yeah. for for a, your average surfer so um it's unfair almost to take um to try and emulate that in in your own kind of yeah having the idea of having a quiver of boards so, yeah i find it I find it quite quite jarring for me personally um but yeah that's just me
0: yeah yeah the the 10 year board thing's really interesting actually because like i think from everyone that i know that surfs like you kind of either get can get bored of the board that you've bought bought, or you get excited by it at first and then you realize oh it doesn't do stuff you know like you get used to it and and like building a board that is going to be interesting for 10 years or a board that you're going to keep uh, that you'll always go back to, to And then I suppose like your boards is that the idea really? It's kind of like a board that you'll that does everything and just. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like what you get out of when you're actually surfing it because it's wooden as well. The different sort of feel and like I know from surfing my uh, brother-in-law's law's board, it was, it was just it was like so different. Like the feel and like you say the the, the way that it sits in the water is totally different and the way it uh, rides is totally different. Um, and yeah, sorry to kind of tap into the sort of performance and the throwaway and the way that surfing has been thrown at us. We've we've kind of like been pushed into thinking that we should be doing these crazy performance, uh, uh, crazy manoeuvres and stuff. And actually, it's your boards go back to actually the real reasons that we surf. It might just literally just uh, cruise on a wave and just enjoy the wave, enjoy the the session rather than trying to do all these crazy manoeuvres.
1: Yeah, that's just it. Obviously, there is a huge kind of element of surfing that is all that performance orientated kind of way of thinking when you look at the youngsters what they're doing nowadays and stuff even even at your local beach break or whatever it's it is quite amazing but the re- yeah like there's there's plenty of people like me and you out there who just want to go fast straight down the line <laughs> you know like there's such joy in in that simple element of surfing you know you get kind of tucked in the pocket and just yeah it, it can just be amazing um yeah, there's probably more people out there searching for that in reality than there is busting airs and
0: definitely man yeah 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 for sure. Uh and all yeah, the big board uh, game as well like going back to longboards and uh, bigger boards and the, the the fact that you uh the amount of waves that you get if you get should ch- ch- get on a longboard. Yeah, you're smiling
1: if you're on a yeah, if you catch more waves. If you're not catching waves it's not very fun. Oh, yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, um. So yeah, so have you got you got into like different products as well? I noticed recently you've got like um, the fins on the website and the wax and things like that. Um, John, I to talked to us about all the different uh, ethical products. Yeah, so yeah, that was
1: it. So once once we'd kind of made... we started making the the surfboards, we wanted to find a way to use the off-cuts, So that's where the the body serving hand planes and belly boards came from, and then it, all the other kind of products that we offer basically kind of bolster that offering. So, um. Yeah, you've touched on like the swim fins so for us it was a case of looking at okay what are the best and most ethical swim fins on the market and it was the the De fin ones were kind of top of that chart so we started stocking those and then when we came to kind of merchandise and stuff it was a case of looking at okay what's what's organic what's water-based you know all, all of that so it's all always has that question of sustainability and and ethics um over it and it's one of those like and like you say with the surf wax and books and magazines are a great one because of their because of their lifespan and 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 how they can kind of yeah convey messages and stuff that's just quite powerful um but uh yeah if there's a product that doesn't fit it doesn't we don't we're not interested we're not we're not when it comes to that those other products we're not looking to challenge kind of big surf suppliers of you know this that and the other like your surf domes and your board shops and stuff that's not uh, where we're at <clears throat> i've all, i have kind of half toyed with a more like having a more ethical wider spanning surf shop kind of based online but uh, that's not my bag i'm not i'm not excited by that you know um someone else who who whose business is retail and that's where they're at would be far better suited i i'd, I'd rather not diversify or dilute what we already do you know our our main offering is making surfboards and running workshops that's it um those products are nice for us to offer but like i mean i'm looking now i think we've got maybe 10 pairs of fins like you know it's not we're not (laughs) in the 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 mass shifting of products kind of a world Um,
0: yeah cool cool yeah, that's I mean that totally suits the brand, doesn't it? As well, like um, almost like a made-to-order, uh, um, sustainable. Like it's like less waste as well. I know, like from uh, doing T-shirts and clothing and everything. Like the biggest thing within the fashion industry is like the the surplus and the waste that can come off that. Um, and if it, you know, like if it's working, like keep yeah, you just got to keep that, keep that ethic, and yeah, don't, you don't need to do.
1: Yeah, it's uh, funny it's- like you say about T-shirts because I think we last like we we changed our logo in 2012 um and I think well I know that we've only ever had one type of t-shirt since then with the same logo you know like because I because I don't understand the whole idea of things going uh, like yeah being fashionable and changing every year and needing to keep on updating things and then worrying about running out of stock and this that and the other I'm just like no it's the same t-shirt that we sold five years ago but yeah we might change the blank you know the blank might have changed because of what's on on offer on the market but the design is exactly the same <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's funny
0: yeah so uh, what's the plans for the future you're just literally gonna um, carry on with exactly the same model and just like uh, all is there any more books planned or um, any more bigger projects
1: yeah I mean the book was quite a big one Um and and I guess there's there's nothing obvious straight ahead of us. There's a few like little projects that we're that we're thinking of getting involved with, like kind of film projects and collaborative projects. Um, but they'll kind of happen when they happen. At the minute, I think we're we're quite happy to just if we can keep the doors open and still keep a roof over yeah. our heads. We're we're quite happy at the moment. I think everybody's realized the importance of taking time to be with the ones you love and and not stressing out about charging forwards for this that and the other like you know I think that's come into question a lot for a lot of people and even for myself like I would work awfully long hours to try and just in theory make a business work but I, I don't know you, you kind of get yeah I don't know that all of that's been thrown into question so I think for me it's at the minute it's trying to work out okay what what do we need to survive how do we achieve that most efficiently um with time and energy and then see see what see how that feels um yeah like yeah yeah and and it's funny like with the book um it came about I guess uh, I think it was about 18 months two years ago or so we kind of I secured the idea of what of doing it um and then there's the kind of the iterations of the pictures that you go through and then and then the actual writing of it and then getting it to print and everything and in my head that was the that was what I needed to do and i i'd completely overlooked how much like kind of promotional stuff goes with goes with releasing a book and i think that's where like i'm not, i'm not an author um it's not my day job you know like writing books and selling books isn't isn't the day job um and where i thought that kind of workload might slot into the the normal um normal kind of work pattern that I have it's very much been bolted on top so it's quite it, yeah That that's been a challenge in itself just to manage the the work involved in that but at the same time like I was talking to so Ali who's who's downstairs making making sawdust mainly at the moment um We were talking this morning. We were saying like each like we're selling the books, but they're they're available. You know, they're kind of they're online. They're through the Do Book Company. The local bookstores are all carrying them and stuff, which is amazing. And we kind of were saying like everyone that goes out there, yes, it's great because it's a book sold, but each one is potentially then a workshop booking in the future. So that's just amazing to have that you know going out into the world. Um, Because we've yeah we've kind of like you say with the with the with love guys been featured in books before and. and had our story put out there by other people but it's the first time i guess i've put my name and my own voice to it um which is yeah which is just quite exciting so we'll see where that goes you know
0: yeah that's awesome mate yeah yeah congrats on that that's like uh like I'll, I'll await my uh, copy yeah it should be with you
1: soon yeah yeah cool.
0: dude um yeah so i guess like, i was gonna ask you a little bit about uh obviously the whole covid situation and how that's affected the business uh yeah, I think it's like forced everyone to slow down, which I think for any type of business like your business and like what what we're trying to do, um, it actually highlights the importance of doing what we're doing. Um so yeah, have you I mean, have you noticed as business got worse better or you know have you just
1: yeah we. It, it's, it's obviously like it's been a weird year um off the bat we just had to postpone all, our, all of our workshops we couldn't you know we, we had to kind of close the doors to to out people from outside um and uh and that was kind of weird and now we're in a place where we're trying to catch up on the people that postponed but with limited numbers and and it, so it feels like we're really busy, but actually we're delivering stuff that we should have delivered kind of six months yeah. ago or so. Um, but that being said, we've still had orders coming in. And I think, like you say, with with people having the time to stop and think about how they really want to spend their time, I think quite a few people have have looked to do, a work. you know, they might have said to themselves, oh, one day I'll do a workshop, whereas I think a few of them have gone, actually... Yeah. I better do that if I want to do that because you just don't know what's around the corner. Um, so we, yeah, we, we're doing okay. We're, we're, we're busy and I know that we're busy for the next, at least for the next six months, which is amazing. We don't, I've, we, I think we had a year like that about three or four years ago and I was like, sweet, you know, this is really nice. We can all relax. And then we didn't have any orders for six months. It was like, Oh Christ, here we go again. Um, and so, yeah, we, for years, you know, we've just worked on a, there's just enough money to pay the rent every month and it just keeps on rolling over and I remember talking to someone they were like yeah but it's been happening for 10 years so you've got to have some faith in it and I was like yeah but it's still really shitty when you don't have when you're sitting there like a week to go and you don't have the money to pay the rent and stuff that's a, it's a pretty uh unforgiving and relentless kind of yeah uh, trick to be able to keep keep positive about it but um but yeah so we we're, we're feeling good man we are we're, we're pretty stoked on on where we're at at the moment um very thankful for everything that's come along and i think maybe part of that comes out of the fact that people haven't been a- been able to go out and spend kind of spend cash on eating out and doing doing other fun things that they might even if they've furloughed and had less money they might actually have had more money accumulating that they could spend on what they you know much more conscious decisions yeah. on on spending i don't know what what you've found but
0: uh yeah, well, I the one thought that I uh was thinking the other day when someone was complaining about um one of the spots like being really busy. Uh and I, and I was like, well, it's going to it's going to be really busy cuz no one's going abroad as well like uh, so and similar similar for you like I think surfers who normally would be going surfing abroad maybe 2 3 times a year um are probably going to be spending the money on other surfing things possibly like your boards and maybe even like looking at getting boards for local break you know like uh, so it's probably works in our favor yeah for sure yeah
1: like on the on our course last week there's a lady called rachel and she she said like i i probably would have gone to portugal this you know this autumn but i have i can't so i've come here instead so you know that's exactly what you're saying yeah yeah like that that i guess yeah for us that price point that we we are for a week is probably pretty similar to to most surf trips within europe if you're yeah, staying at a surf camp or whatever that's kind of what you expect to pay so
0: yeah. So with the course as well do you um you obviously don't uh, provide accommodation you just get your accommodation when you're down there. Yeah, we I mean we've
1: got yeah, we've got like a list of recommended accommodation places around us. Um we've toyed with trying to package everything up before. Um but a bit like I said earlier like retail's not my thing nor is organizing people's holidays. Um, and some people might want to camp some people will want a b&b some people want self-catering it's a real mixture of what people want and being in cornwall is yeah. so much on our doorstep that actually kind of leaves that to the people who's yeah who's yeah. that's their business you know they're good at it and it, it also means that if someone's ha- if someone has a really great week in the workshop and they go back to their accommodation the toilet leaks or something it's it's not a reflection on us as a as a company yeah. and what we're delivering if you see what i mean um and it's also not not our job to fix it which is yeah yeah
0: don't want to fix toilets no exactly yeah yeah
1: so and i think i would actually i definitely feel in like the responsibility to take all of that stuff on as well um if i if we were to provide a combination because we've toyed with uh, where we are at the eco park there is camping here and we've toyed with kind of getting our own bell tents and kitting them out and doing like through the summer like the whole a whole package um but again, we were like, well, where do we store all of the tents when they're not being used? You know, how do we kit them out? How do we have four beds? Like, like you know, we just kind of get to the point where we're just like it, it feels like an awful lot more than it's really worth when so you weird. can camp here anyway. And they've got, you know, they've got their own bell tents that they kit. Out. You know, you just kind of like there's so much on our doorstep that it just doesn't make yeah. sense to do anything at the they moment.
0: Um, one, one of the big questions I was going to ask, like, uh, is just surrounded around, like, the climate crisis and, like, sustainable wood um, and how you go about uh, sourcing the wood that you get. Uh, I think I remember probably on your website as well, like, reading, like, that you get all the wood from local forests um, and then are they kind of, like, replanted and how does the wood all come about uh, and how, how much wood do you need anyway? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's it's a it's a I'm really glad you asked actually because um like early earlier on you mentioned that the the boards are likely to be more sustainable because of the natural materials that they're made from, and I think that can sometimes be a bit of a bit of a trick because just because something made out of natural materials does not make it sustainable, um you know the material needs to be sustainably harvested and and, and managed, which is so therefore for us when it comes to choosing the wood that we use it's a case of working with foresters on the ground who are pushing sustainable forestry management as their like that's their thing that they're really passionate about so the cedar which is the main timber that we use comes from a a privately owned woodland um on the kind of the wiltshire somerset and dorset like where they're where all of those counties meet um in the southwest here and um and he so a guy called nick is the one that runs it and he pushes a a management process called constant cover which is where you kind of um you never uh what would be the right word you'd never like plant up a load of different load of the same trees in one area so you'd never have them like a monocrop which is what you might see in an awful lot of managed woodlands um but what it means is he has a really diverse woodland so there's broad leaves mixed in with conifers and shrubs and everything and there's just always always kind of like really really well it's just really healthy but through that he goes in basically he gets order for timber and he, he, he goes in and takes trees down individually um mills them individually processes them all individually um but what you've got then in the woodland is this really good healthy natural regeneration so he yeah. this is like going back five years ago so I, I was kind of pushing him on it quite a bit and i was like so what a normal woodland of his size would be planting between twelve and fifteen thousand trees a year to make it commercially viable. Whereas he was at the point where he was planting about two thousand because of how much natural regeneration was occurring in the woodland anyway because of its healthy biodiversity. So, and he was hoping that in ten years' time he'll he won't be planting any. It'll just be looking after itself, which is which is amazing. Like for me, people who are that into looking after the land is is what it's about. Like yeah so so for us to know that that's where the wood's coming from is is for me really important you know you could go to a timber merchants get wood over the counter it'll have the fsc stamp you know the forestry stewardship council stamp that in theory means it's sustainable but any any one person along the chain of getting that wood over the counter doesn't have to have actually abided by the rules it it can just just be the source or it could be you know like so the so there's no actually accountability within the businesses that have got it into your hands um so for me that's not really good enough I want to know where the woods come from you know where, where the trees have stood and how, how they're nurtured in themselves so um yeah that's that's kind of the the wood side of things in terms of how much um we if it's a surf, say a surfboard's eight foot long we'd need a for each board we need about an uh, we'd need an eight foot length but about seven inches square so about that that, yeah that much kind of wood um, gets it gives us a surfboard um,
0: not cool. solid cedar is it
1: that's um, yeah so that's that's the western red cedar um, and yeah so that's the case so if that's how much we need then we process it into all of the elements um, to make a board um, yeah so it's a it's a really efficient way to make a board so when we look at a tree we're looking at about kind of ten surfboards stood there um, uh, yeah. yeah yeah Of usable kind of timber yeah 10 or 12 which is which is quite, quite nice and
0: um in terms of like fib- fiberglass it's not is it like a resin that you use do you use any fi- there's no fiberglass involved whatsoever
1: yeah no we do we do still use a fiberglass um so there's several different ways you can finish boards um there are more kind of natural cloths that you can use like hemp cloths and stuff um but they you always see the see the cloth on them um so you'd you'd essentially be covering up the wood um which is where glass lends itself really well i mean glass is recyclable um but it's not ideal because of the you know the energy use use in doing all of that um but yeah we use a fiberglass so we use about a third of the amount of fiberglass and resin that a normal surfboard would use just because of the inherent strength of the the wooden blank that we use um and then the resin that we use is a bio epoxy, so it's yeah, it's bio-epoxy. kind of heading in the right direction in terms of more sustainable um, stuff. In it, It's the dirtiest part of what we do, it's something that we are always looking to change. Um, but other ways you might finish a wooden board would be to use boat varnishes, which again are no better or worse than 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 resin, and in fact they're, they're not changing like the resin industry is. Um, and it wouldn't be anywhere near as strong as a, as a fiberglass and a, a bio epoxy finish um you can oil them but then the longevity is just thrown out the window because the boards just wouldn't last very long um and the benefit as well of the glass being see-through is that people see the wood and they see they it helps them become beautiful objects which means people like to look after them um you know they're not something you just well unless you're me just chuck in the back of your van um but uh yeah, and that's definitely a good thing. Like f- that's the other kind of side of the coin with any product in terms of um, its sustainability is the longevity, and not many things are designed with that in mind. Some things are for sure, but that's something that for me is 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 quite crucial and and often forgotten about. Um, so yeah, that's why for me it's a case of using the glass and resin to to make them. Yeah. So yeah. Have the, have yeah. a long life.
0: So you kind of you've you've discovered the the best way to do it really in terms of like thinking about it all in that way you know like you're maybe not going to find the most perfect solution but actually the longevity that that gives to that surfboard is worth it in in balance.
1: Yeah I mean again it's 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 based on my opinion of what's the most what's the most sustainable and and I'd like to think I've thought of everything but I'm sure you know people can pick apart what you know the way that we do things but it's what we believe in. Um you know we me and there's what is there four four guys that work four other people that work here, and you know we all believe that we're doing the best that we can um so yeah but yeah, so yeah, and then I think that's all we can do and keep our eyes eyes peeled and ears to the ground for any any developments that might be worth pursuing so
0: totally. yeah. yeah so cause, um was cedar redwood cedar was that the original wood that was used? in the very first surfboards, like when it first started to come a bit commercial? Um, so
1: it depends on where you pick your surfing history from, but I mean, most people look at the Polynesians and their timbers are completely different to ours. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, redwood and cedars would have come about from when it moved across to the States, yeah. um, like California, the redwoods and the cedars in California. Um, yeah, they started, started using it over there. So that would have been a hundred years ago or so. Um and it's it's always changed, but cedar is quite a lightweight timber, so well the Western Red version like Cedar is, so that's where we that's why we use it basically. Um it grows locally and it's nice and light, so
0: Awesome man. <laughs> What's the surf like today? So terrible, no waves at the moment is the yeah. The Surf's awful. There's
1: northern northerly winds, mate, and it's just it's yeah. terrible. But there's it looks like there might be waves towards the end of the week, which um yeah, which should be nice. we we um, Me and the two of the guys that work here more regularly have started doing what we call our 7am surf club. So um, on days that they're working we'll meet on the beach at 7 and if the surf's crap we'll go for a run and if it's nice then we'll jump in the sea. Or even if it's crap we might jump in the sea anyway.
0: So that was James Otter from Otter Surfboards down in Cornwall. Totally loved chatting to James, uh, learned absolutely tons of stuff there, um, just shows you what you can do if you have an idea such as making surfboards out of wood uh, and creating it into a, a pretty amazing ethical business. Um, so it's not just about like the products that he's created, he's actually developed into teaching other people how to make surfboards and just the process of that has evolved into kind of like basically like therapy um, so yeah it's pretty pretty awesome really um what james does i wish him all the all the luck in the world uh, for the future uh, i'd I thoroughly recommend getting his book um, which is available on his website at ottersurfboards.co.uk and um, you can read about his courses and other products that they sell as well So next week on the podcast, we have a company called Happy Prawns based in Birmingham. Um, As you may well have guessed, they um, source prawns uh, from Indonesia, fresh water prawns. um, You'll learn about the process and exactly how the business is run in the podcast. See you next time.